everyone, and welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. And to those who are listening to us on Spotify, hello. Yeah, yeah we, we're moving on up. We're on Spotify now. That's right. Us and not Taylor Swift. <laughs> or is she back on there? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't pulled her this week. I don't know where yeah, she stands. We, 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 we haven't spoken to her recently, so. Yeah, I need to, I need to check in. <laughs> Sounds like she's having a rough day. We rough really week. Call... I need to check in. We really should call Swifty and see how she's doing. Yes. Yeah, we should. Why don't we get her on the... Did we try to get her on this episode? She's busy, right? I I will do my darndest to get her on the phone. (laughs) Producer Chris, get her on the line. (laughs) And if not her, how about Jessica Simpson? Oh, God, yes. Um, (laughs) So so speaking of which, before we recorded this episode, I'm on my way home. And Chris is subjecting me to... The two thousand, uh, not the was it two? Yeah, t- was it yeah? Two thousand and four, Jessica Simpson Christmas album she came out with. Fantastic. Um, and oh my god! I mean, every single song, it sounds like she's had she's like playing with herself because everything is like when she's singing, and she's having a really bad <laughs> orgasm, and the the song that makes me crack up the hardest on that well two of them actually. Is baby, it's cold outside. That she performed with then husband Nick Lachey. No chemistry whatsoever. He sounds like he's trying to get away, even though he's singing the male parts, and she's singing like she's <laughs> she's singing like she's trying to impersonate Marilyn Monroe, who's masturbating with a blender. I mean, that's a good take on that song. Is like the guy's actually trying to get out of there. <laughs> Wait, wait a minute, I've got a question. You mentioned a, like she's having a bad orgasm. Mm-hmm. Bad orgasms? Yeah, she does if have anybody bad. Anybody can have I've, one. It's I've never, Jessica Simpson. I'm sorry, I've never given anyone a bad orgasm. Well, that's because you're not Jessica Simpson. No, right. I, no, honey, I am not. <laughs> and then the other one that was making me crack up is when she teams up with a gospel choir to sing Angels We Have Heard on High. What was the donation to that church like? I have no to- I have no idea, but it was the whitest, whitest soul song I've ever heard. It's like I commented on Facebook. If she got any more soul, she'd have to order out for greens because it was just... Can you door dash greens? <laughs> yes. Apparently. Except, except this recipe would come from goop, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's going to have some bone broth. <laughs> And some jade, the, egg, and some jade egg that's been in her vagina. Yeah, well, it's steeped with that jade egg. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> so this this is a non traditional episode for us because we're not reviewing a movie. We're actually going back. Were we ever traditional? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. We're we're closing the door on the first twenty movies that we reviewed. Uh, on here uh, again, we're not including Spider Baby because that was a tribute episode. But um, I think it'd be safe to say that Spider Baby would be a fun one to watch with an audience. Oh yeah, um, especially around Halloween time. If you're looking for a fun creature feature film for Halloween with a crowd, that definitely you won't you wouldn't go wrong with that one. But we're counting down the 20 movies that we saw, and we created a list of where we put them. In terms of ones that we highly enjoyed versus ones we never want to see ever again. Right. And, you know, I'm glad that we're doing this episode this close to um, Thanksgiving. Yes. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of 
Thanksgiving. Um, I feel a lot like the Native Americans um, <laughs> in this scenario. I feel like I was promised a, a, a buffet, a cornucopia, <laughs> and I really was just given some pox blankets and a hatred of the white man. So I feel like I really feel in touch with this with this holiday right now. This, this close. <laughs> Great description. Thanks. Thanks. That's the way I feel. <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to go from from our favorite to the absolute worst toilet paper, basically. Right. We're going to run down our list of 20 from best to worst. Yeah. And we're going to give our reasons why we put them where they are. Um And, I mean, I, I will say, I don't know how it was for you compiling this list, but... When it came to the top five and the bottom five, it wasn't really as much of an issue. The hardest part was the middle between there. I was trying to figure out what should go in the middle. I, top three and bottom three, I would say, were the easiest for me. For me, it was two. It was very easy to do top three and bottom three. But the rest of it, I'm just like, God, where am I going to put this? Where does this go and everything else? Right, it really was a matter of like, it came down to between these two movies, which one, if I had to watch one right now, which one would it be and why? Mm -hmm. You know, and then I kind of worked that out. I worked really hard on this. Okay. I really live a lot of nightmare. I felt like uh, it act two when they came back as adults. <laughs> That's the way this felt for me. <laughs> this, this podcast is my Pennywise. <laughs> nice. So uh, we're going to start with number one, or as I'm calling it, the, the movie I think everyone is probably going to easily guess was oh, yeah. our choice for, for number, number one, one movie. Oh my God, what's going on with this episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh geez, that's staying in. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about our choice for number one, and apparently it, everything got cut off. And as you said, it was the ghost of Gene Simmons. It's the living ghost of Gene Simmons saying, "You can't take my IP and talk about it on t on your on your show anymore without paying us." Well, the movie we were talking about was Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Ah, um, oh, so good. Easily our number one choice. Oh, one hundred percent. There's nothing. There's everything bad about that movie is is nothing but great. It's the like reason they nailed, to watch this they nailed film. the bad movie. They, it, they nailed it. Yeah, it, it's the reason to watch this film. I, again, like we said in our episode when we covered it, we're shocked it never became a cult film that was shown at midnight movies because it screens it. I, first, you've got the fact that this movie was even made. Secondly, that it was made by Hanna-Barbera, out of all people, and that it was filmed to promote not only Kiss, but Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, California. <laughs> and, and that here we've got this movie called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, and Kiss isn't introduced in the movie until 20 minutes into the film. And when, and, and, and when and they the do arrive, is in the most amazing way that you've ever seen in your life. Sure, <laughs> it's, it's like here comes Paul Stanley walking down in space, and then shoots a staircase out of his eye. I mean, <laughs> and then Peter Chris rides it for a while. Like it's like what is happening, and then it just gets better. Yeah, because the thing is, 
unlike a lot of the movies that are on this list, it has one thing that a lot of these movies are missing, I think, is a really cogent, easy to follow. If you're going to make a bad movie, here's here's a tip. If you're going to make a, a bad movie, make it really, really simple to follow. Yeah. Like, if you want that bad movie to be successful, use a formula that's very, very simple to follow. That's that's my advice, which this movie did, 100%. And, and that's typical of Hanna-Barbera. I mean, their plots are very simple to follow. Sure. So, yeah, that was number one for me, like, like with a bullet. Like no question. I mean, we couldn't... like the, the the army of of, uh, of animatronic uh, revolutionary war soldiers and <laughs> weird weird monkeys. Like, it, yeah, you're not gonna get better than that. Come on. And on top of that, if that wasn't enough, you got high off his ass, Peter Chris. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. at one point is replaced by his stunt double because he was too high to act. Yeah, it's God, it's perfect. It, the, no, no, I can't. There's not another movie even. I, I'm not going to say that, but I, I'll honestly say I would rather watch that over pretty much any movie I've seen this year. That that set a high standard uh, yeah. for our show. Period. Because. It was such a fun film to watch. That's your standard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that yeah. is it. Chris. That's the that's the top. That 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 is. This is the Jessica Simpson Christmas album of our list yeah. right here. Oh, God. And plus, you've got great line delivery. Like he's just sweating. <laughs> the, the, the line, the fact that they thought they could act was was magnificent. It's still magnificent. Not the only that, that they could act, but that they could also do kung fu. Oh, the kung fu was great. Was great. The fact that they never touched a, a soul by three feet uh, when they were doing kung fu. God, it's so good. It's so good. Like, there's no question. If you haven't watched it yet, we talk about it almost every episode of the show. <laughs> For if you reason. haven't watched it yet, do yourself the favor. Find it and watch it. Yeah, it's well, it's worth, well it. worth it. Oh, my God. It's so well worth it. And now... It's probably where things will start getting diff- start getting different. Yeah, I think this is where we split off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we knew what number one. Both of us knew it going in. Like this is going to be number easily, one. Easily, easily. Now, what's your choice for number two? All right. Well, this one is probably going. If you if you listen to the show, you know regularly, this one is going to be kind of a given for me, and that's Evil Speak. Evil Speak's my number two. Um, I love. That movie, just Clint Howard, <laughs> the army speak. of hellbores, <laughs> the sword, the Macintosh computer, you know, the devil, him and the devil hacking a Macintosh computer like uh, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith and ID4. Like, <laughs> it is, it is, it comes in, like I said, it comes in under Kiss, but kind of just under Kiss, just because it's so over the top takes every 80s horror movie cliche and like cranks it to 11 and it's so worth watching it's such a great great movie and it's available on tubi tv i found out today so if you haven't seen it you can watch it on tubi nice and i actually found on blu-ray the um 2k restoration uncut version of the film of course you did yeah so of course that was an insta buy and it's funny because that's my choice for number two. Also, is, is it really? Speak? Yes. Oh, it's so fun! It's just such a fun Twinsies. movie. 
Because like, you just watch it and you just there, there are movies on here that we watch and we're like, what? But the what is not a good what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this movie we was just like, what? What is happening? Why is this happening? Why is this weird homeless janitor living in the basement of this church? Uh, <laughs> why is there? Why is the set from the Lost Boys at the inside this church <laughs> in the basement? Of a church. Yeah, yeah. There's so much great about this movie that it doesn't. We can't even can't even begin to encapsulate. I don't. I, I think we scratched the surface during the actual episode. Yeah. But I think we only barely scratched the surface because it's there's so much good. There's so much good. Well, just that final, the the revenge scene alone. Oh my god, so much is going on that you're just in giggle fits the whole time. The guy, the guy who uh, is on fire in the church hallway that's just running in circles for about thirty seconds. <laughs> I if I would if I had that isolated i would watch it for three hours straight just that like a like an like a repeating animated gif of this guy just running in circles worth it all worth it all what you would need to do is you would need to just get that on a continuous loop and then put on there the chorus to disco inferno where it's going burn baby burn yeah yeah so okay cool so what's your number three my choice for number three um it was the kindred um, the, oh, movie, the, the Ropey, Ropey the, movie. The Ropey movie, yes. Um, our second film that we covered. Um, okay. I mean, I hadn't seen that in years, and that was one of the first titles that came to my mind when we were approaching this topic. And fortunately, I found that somebody uploaded it online, and I remember it being just as fun as it was when I first saw the movie. I mean, it terrified me as a kid. Today, I'm just <laughs> laughing at it. Right. Um, <laughs> Not so much anymore. No, no. It's it's hilarious, but in a good way because there's just so much over-the-topness going on with the practical effects and, like you said, the ropiness with all, <laughs> all the sinewy goo the, that's throughout the, the entire pit. film. You mean the goo pit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was yeah. so much fun. And then you get the scene, the, the transformation into the fish lady sequence. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. just a great, great fun film. And it was like somebody sat down and read H.P. Lovecraft and went, Fish people, let's go with it. And yeah. <laughs> just it did went have with Amanda it. Pace in it. <laughs> yes. Which, you know, anybody listening to this knows how I feel about Amanda Pace. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to say <laughs> any more. She got me through adolescence, and I appreciate her for that. <laughs> but, yeah, number three, definitely... Uh, the kindred for me. What about you? Okay. Um, for me, number three was Picnic at Hanging Rock, which ah. is the reason that this entire show for me, you know, exists because I, you know, when we first started, you know, it was all based on the idea that I hadn't seen Picnic at Hanging Rock. Mm-hmm. So, so the, it, it, because of the fact that not only is it a recognized classically good movie, and it legitimately is, mm-hmm. but it's also batshit insane. <laughs> like what? What happens? Like the girl that's like laughing for no reason. The one that's like on the mountain. The one that snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the fact that they have no idea and they try to solve the mystery. Do they all go to hell? Do they all die? Are they dead? We the never whole time, know. Like, like who knows? So that's 
you know, there's a lot of mysteries. And like we said, we found that alternate ending um, to it when we were when we were actually doing the episode. Yeah, it was like there's, 10 extra minutes to the film. Yeah, that was just super weird. Like, this movie has intrigued me in a way that I, I would I would rewatch this the same way I would rewatch uh, like Lost Highway mm-hmm. or something like that. I love movies that I have no idea what's actually happening, you know, in a good way. And this is one of those movies, unlike movies that are going to come later, which I have no idea what's happening in a bad way. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my my number three is definitely Picnic at Hanging Rock. Cool. What's your number four? Oh, uh, the movie that started it all, baby. <laughs> Liquid Sky. Oh, Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky. Got a, we, got, uh, we got weird aliens. We got orgasms. We got a whole uh, spoken word poet. We got a spoken word poetry. We got a lot of shrimp. Um, it was a, it was, and and I think a a lot of it isn't even just the fact that I really, really enjoyed the movie. It's the fact that it's the movie that brought, that you were like, this will be the first one we watch. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I've never heard of this before. And now I'm like, just take my eyes out of my skull, please. (laughs) Like that's, that's what it is about Liquid Sky that really, really, you know, lights the fire. It's. You know, like we were talking about with the last movie we did, uh-huh. it is an independent art film that does it does it right. There's a reason that this is a cult classic mm-hmm. because it because it does it right versus you know some of the other art movies that that miss the mark that are art for art's sake. This is art for entertainment's sake, which is, in my opinion, what it should be, and it nails it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Liquid Sky, 100, percent my choice. For fourth movie. Mine is Picnic and Hanging Rock. Oh, nice! Yeah, so it came in my top five there, um, mainly because it did leave a very good impression on me, and yeah. it, it has ever since then. I mean, there's once in a while I keep thinking back to it, and the fact that there's so much ambiguity around what happened in this movie makes it haunting. Yeah. Because you really don't know what happened, and we're never going to get an answer. And so because of that... And, and, and well, did, not until Michael Bay makes the sequel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, Bumblebee will be in it. Mm-hmm. Lots of explosions. Lens flares. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. But, yeah, I mean, it just it, it intrigued me so much. And the fact that there really is no resolve and there's this enigma around it, it that drives me nuts. So I'm like, what happened? I want to know what happened. And it's it's kind of that draw that makes me go back to the film. So yeah, definitely Picnic and Hanging Rock is my choice for number four. And what's interesting about that is when did this movie come out? Seventy five in the seventies, yeah. And there still isn't any resolve. Mm-hmm. Like you know, a lot of a lot of the films would have been you know the the now the director would have to come out and and you know make statements about what because they can't leave well enough alone. Mm-hmm. You know, this one, they didn't do that. This one is 100%, you know, like, this is what it is, and you're never going to get an answer. So that makes it really intriguing. So what is your choice for number five? Number five. Uh, I think you and producer Chris will love this. Um, my choice for number five is The Apple. <laughs> it is fantastic. 
it is the only reason it made my top five, and the only reason it wasn't higher is because of the caliber of film it was up against. It very easily. I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Matter of fact, thank you for me. I didn't know this movie existed, um, and now that and now that I do, it's become a, a household favorite. We still comment and make like like talk about our talk about our uh, BIM marks and. Uh, and talk about getting stickers for all con next year and, you know, doing it up. (laughs) And, uh, it's become, it's, it is, it is the true definition of a cult movie. Yeah. Like it is 100% the true definition of a cult movie. And that is, that is fantastic. And it did beat out rock and roll, which rock and roll has the uh, exact same plot. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yes, that is my, that is my choice. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll rewatch that movie right now. (laughs) The soundtrack, maybe. I don't know. Nice. So what about you, man? The apple's number five also. Yeah. Yeah. That was my number one. Yeah. For him, it's number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the only movie we've done that he likes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's understandable. These movies are acquired tastes. <laughs> but it's still fun. I mean, it's just, it's so much fun. And, oh, God, he's playing the music in the background. He's, he's got it on demand. He's ready. He's ready with the Apple theme at all times. Oh yeah! <laughs> but yeah, the Apple. When I first discovered the Apple, I was just like dumbfounded with what was going on, and I was just cracking up at how gay it was. I, I didn't think it was possible for anything to be as gay as Xanadu or Can't Stop the Music, and. I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, oh, my God, this thing is oozing homosexuality. Oh, it's next level. <laughs> and that the, the dance musical number in the um, lobby of the um, of whatever uh, corporate building they were going into. <laughs> oh. oh, the Circus Maximus. Uh, this, yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that it was set in the year 1994 made it even funnier. And that all the cars in the 1994 looked like the Homer from yes. The Simpsons. <laughs> Their vision of the future I kind of wish came true. <laughs> and, and, and then you have the over-the-top Jewish landlady who, oh, God, yeah. I mean, Meshugana and everything. I mean, she would have actually went to the Jewish lady in Liquid Sky eating the shrimp and <laughs> bitch slapped her uh, for, uh, for, for eating all the shrimp. It's the only thing I want to see a crossover on in any of these movies. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, no, I'm glad we're in agreement there. I, it had to make the top five. Yeah, so the Apple, we agreed on number one, on our top pick, our second pick, and our fifth pick so far. Um, for me, at number six came Liquid Sky. Okay, okay. Um, because, I, I mean, I was debating between the Apple and Liquid Sky, but the Apple out-edged Liquid Sky just because of how much it made me giddy and just cracked up. 
Uh, yeah. Liquid Sky is is purposely meant to feel like you're taking LSD while watching it, and it shows because uh, it moves. Yeah, well, you've taken the LSD. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, not LSD. I'm sorry, heroin. No, the, the, yeah, just I felt like I knew what it was like to be on heroin yeah. watching that film. Liquid Sky is what it feels like to be on heroin. The Apple is what it feels like to to take some LSD and chase it with a Red Bull. Is right. how that one is. Uh, Liquid Sky. I had a jade egg and some Molly. Yes, and that's what the Apple is. <laughs> What I loved also about Liquid Sky was I, I didn't realize just how much um, in what influence came from that. I mean, because there was so much that this this film came out right in, in the very beginning of the whole New Age scene, and right. so much from that I saw carried over not only throughout the '80s but has made a resurgence today with the whole new wave and retro wave and vapor wave and all that 80s aesthetic that made a comeback, it all ties back to Liquid Sky. And I, I thought that this was like some little film, but apparently it's got a bigger cult following than I thought and it is more influential than I thought, not because of the plot or anything, but just the visualness of the yeah. film. And you can't go wrong when you have a lesbian beating on her rhythm box, <laughs> doing her impromptu rap, her anger rap. Uh, <laughs> and the whole monologue with uh, with the guy at the end talking about uh, sex and women, and no, yeah, that she was giving that that. That fierceness that she was serving there at the end yes. before uh, she, she disappears in a weird alien uh, apocalypse. I kill people. I kill them with my cunt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, she sounds fun. <laughs> that, did, we invite it, did we invite Liquid Sky to the party? <laughs> that whole monologue that she gives when she's talking about herself and she's day glowing her face. I want to see. I wish I would have saw someone do that at an audition when I used to do acting because I would have stood and given a standing <laughs> ovation if someone did that monologue because it was that's fucking your, awesome. That's your, that's your monologue that you do now. I'll be doing the monologue from Liquid Sky. Yes. What? No, no, you won't. Yeah, I will. You're going to give me this part. <laughs> Who wants to teach me? Who wants to teach my cunt? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm from New Hampshire. Breed stock, delicious, delicious. Oh God, oh, I still can't hear that word. <laughs> word still kills me. <laughs> so, what was your choice for number six? Uh, the Kindred. The, the Kindred, Kindred was my number six because I love a good '80s horror movie. Um, as I said, Amanda Pace is in it, and that's fantastic. The fish transformation scene is great. The falling through the floor into the goo pit, like, like they really, they really did it up in the Kindred. The movie makes very little sense, but, but it's a fun little '80s horror movie. You know, as far as the 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 horror cult movies that we've done, it's it's definitely ranks ranks up there mm -hmm. as one of the higher ones that we've done. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. What, uh, what about your number seven, man? I wonder if anybody got sick after falling into that goo pit. 
I mean, probably. The, the catch your death if the Jewish grandma from the Apple was there. <laughs> what you doing? You're going to catch your death down there? Have some chicken soup. <laughs> Thank you, overtly racist Jewish grandma from a really, really gay movie. <laughs> a little trivia about Jewish grandma from the Apple or Jewish landlady from the Apple. She's British. Is she? Yes, she she's is. British. Yes. She was on a British makeover show not too long ago. Was yes. she? Yep. yep. She's still working? She's still working. Yep. <laughs> um, my number seven was Rock and Rule. Oh, okay. Um, the animated, the, the, the good animated movie that we covered. Um, <laughs> the really trippy Canadian export um, that uh, pretty much almost killed uh, Nelvana pic, uh, animation. If it hadn't been for... Uh, the success of Alvin and the Chipmunks, then they probably would have folded. Can't, I still can't believe it's the same <laughs> studio that did Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> but they took this chance by creating this futuristic rock and roll musical that's animated with the with Iggy Pop and Blondie and, and you know, oh, yeah. and Rat and a couple of other bands, and it just it failed miserably. Um, I found out shortly afterwards, and I, God, I wish I would have seen it in this format. It was originally released in 3D. And oh my God, really? It, yeah, can you imagine that film in 3D? I, I would have loved it. it, it, ex loved it. Especially the scene when there's some... And yeah. it had a pretty decent soundtrack to it, which amazed me. Um, and, you know, it dealt with, you know, not only the future, but... Um, <laughs> It also dealt with magic, as we pointed out, with a CK at the end. Yeah. And um, the whole, like, Satanism and music and everything else, but in a bizarre, twisted way. And oh, the, yeah. The Iggy Pop character was basically Iggy Pop. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was Iggy Pop in animated form. <laughs> <laughs> Make no mistake, it was 100% Iggy Pop. It was Iggy Pop, but with the voice of Lou Reed. That's what killed me, is because it was like the singing voice was Lou Reed, but the performance was Iggy Pop. And I'm like, why didn't you just have Iggy Pop sing instead of Lou Reed? Because, because Lou Reed was there. <laughs> but yeah, rock and roll, definitely. What's yours? Um, which, oh, are we are we are on number seven. My number seven is um is the first of two movies by the same director. Uh oh, and uh, it's not the one you think. It's well, it is the one you think. It's Summer Camp Nightmare. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. oh god, no, 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 no. <laughs> Twice Dead didn't make it that far. <laughs> um, no, it, I, it's just, it's, it was so weird. It was, you know, the way that it was advertised versus the movie that we got, the, you know, the weird bridge scenes, you know, their descent into like, uh, like tribal chaosism, locking people up in a jail that, you know, that was happened to, you know, time out for, for, uh, what did he get time out for the first time where they locked him up and led to the whole Oh God, I don't know. Maybe for sneezing the wrong way. I don't know. Cause super Christian camp counselor that didn't let him watch TV. Mm -hmm. you know, possible, back, pedo possible pedophile, but turned out but, to not to be, yeah. Not, not you like, like the whole movie was so bizarre, but, you know, interesting in its own right. 
like you know it it was paced well the, you know not to mention the fact that it had you know one of our favorite people in it um Samantha was in it yes. which is fantastic yeah um, she reached out to me after watching it she and she listened to the episode and she laughed she said she laughed her ass off and she said yeah this was a weird one to make in my career <laughs> so um and she is trying to actually get because she's got connections with Shot Factory, she's trying to get them to release it on home video because she said that she's getting more and more people coming up to her in conventions talking about how they've seen it on YouTube and talk about it with her. So she says, okay, it's time to get this released because apparently there's a demand there. Well, it's a, you know, and it is 100% a cult movie at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, I think of the movies that we've watched, you know, it, they're... It, my top of the list of these movies are like the, I think the cultiest of the cult movies. Um, there are some in the bottom that, that definitely fall into that category. But, you know, if you look at movies like Summer Camp Nightmare and, you know, especially the Kiss movie, the movies that you can't find, the movies that aren't oversaturated. Yeah. Are very, very much the movies that I find, you know, intriguing because they're so different. And yet there's still something about them that they pull out that's still really, really good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was that was where I was at with uh, with my number seven. Cool, cool. What's and your, my number eight. What's your number eight? Is rock and roll. Ah, OK. <laughs> yeah. For all the same reasons that you gave, like it's, you know, the soundtrack alone is phenomenal. Um the weird, the weird storytelling through, you know, through ritual magic was fantastic. The visuals, like we talked about on the show, the fact that those visuals were not done by computer. No, it was all hand drawn. Yeah, are that's insane because they were great. If you remember, like the scene in the car where they were drawing the interface with the weird, uh, like, like computer. Yeah, that looked CGI. It looked totally yeah. CGI, and it wasn't. Yeah, like they did a great job with the film. The film is a the film is a very high quality film. It just I think it was you know wrong place, wrong time. When, I think it was before its time when it was released. Yeah, and you know it's definitely worth watching. It's a it's a really strong strong movie. In this day in this day of liquid uh, not liquid television, but well even post liquid television, but mostly in this day of Adult Swim, I think it would definitely have found a bigger audience than it did in the early eighties. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. Like I'm in, I'm I, I think it's I think it's great. It is the the movie that hit you know that ranked the highest of the animated that we've watched. Mm -hmm. um, because Dot and the Kangaroos on this list. <laughs> um, spoilers, spoilers. I blame you so much for everything. Um, but yeah, that's that's where that one falls on my on my list. Cool. My number so what eight. about you? What's your because uh, now we get into the middle of the pack, yeah. really. the hardest ones to kind of lock in. So well, my number eight was Summer Camp Nightmare, um, okay. mainly okay. for the same reasons that you made. Um, yeah, I mean, I, when I first discovered this movie, I heard about it because of Samantha, and I was like, oh, she made a horror film, and because that's the way it was promoted was that it was a horror film, and it's not really a horror film per se. Yeah. I'd say it's more of a suspense film in mm -hmm. kind of the same vein as Lord of the Flies. Um, but I sat down and I watched it and I was like, you know what? I mean, this is kind of batshit crazy, but at the same time, I'm digging this. This is actually pretty good. 
And then they showed it um, at our local Alamo Draft House for the uh, Agfa Top Secret Screening, and the audience ate it up. And I, it's just, it's, it was just a great, fun kind of a retelling of Lord of the Flies, just in a different situation. And I, I, I really did thoroughly enjoy it a lot. Plus, you, you've got to love the go, go down south song. That oh the girls God! Perform. I forgot about the talent show. Because <laughs> oh. you've got not only the the song where the girls are literally—I mean, they're they're supposedly talking about come visit us at our camp, but they're really saying go down on us. Um, right. What was the What was the song that the guys sang? Beef bologna. Beef bologna. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was it. That was one. Of, yep. That is a song that was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Beef bologna. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love Summer Camp Nightmare, and if it ever does see the light of day on Blu-ray, I'm, it's an insta-buy for me. It really is. Yeah, everybody should. It's another movie that I think everybody should really seek out yeah. and find, because it's, it's, so, it's a super fun movie. It really is. Um, now we get into my kind of middle of the road. This one is going to shock you. Oh, dear. Coming in at number nine yeah. on my list, yeah. Twice Dead. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. Nine. Oh. <laughs> I hate I hate watch that movie twice. <laughs> and I might do it again. Oh god. Because, because it was it, it was so fun that the, the reason this movie this movie is in the top 10 is because of all the movies on this list. That movie was the most fun to hate. Like that movie was by far the most fun to hate. You know, it was it was definitely fueled by cocaine. I know it didn't make the fueled by cocaine cut. <laughs> there were so many movies I'm realizing that we watched that should have made the fueled by cocaine cut because they really were fueled by cocaine. They really were. Like like the way that this movie was edited and cut, and the fact that you know my my rant about the fact that time has no con, you know, there's no concept of time in this entire film. Who knows how long it takes? You know the the dad, um, you know, you know, takes him out and takes him shooting, and then immediately like leaves him there with this raving loon gang. Um, you know, and and you know it was a crossover episode for us, which was fun. You know, what's funny is just recently Danae was in California, and I was trying to find the address of the house. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> to have her go find it. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the house anywhere, but I really wanted to because I wanted I wanted pictures of the actual location. This movie had a big impact on me. <laughs> I, it's one of those movies that I love to, you know, there have been movies in the past. Uh, what was the, not that it falls into this, you know, this caliber of movie, but I feel the way about this movie like I did about Gangster Squad. Oh Jesus! <laughs> the Josh Brolin, uh, yes. Ryan Gosling movie because I love to hate that movie because it's just it just doesn't make any sense. It sounds like how I am with that movie Deuces Wild with James Franco and oh, yeah. uh, you know I, it's a movie that I just absolutely love to hate because it was green lit. Yeah, it's it's and, it's a and movie someone that's... thought it was a good idea to put Frankie Munoz in a gang movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, but that's the whole thing. Like the gang looked like the you know rejects from the Lost Boys. Everybody's like in mesh. What's her name running around in in you know the the, the stripper cop outfit the whole time, like sexy cop from uh, from Halloween World. She was, um, 
she was basically um, playing Linnea Quigley's stunt double in that movie. It's just, it's, it's so, so good. Like, like, I can't not, I can't not dislike it. Like, it had to make it. So there you go. Well, here's why I screamed, what? Because that's my number nine also, is twice dead. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that we talked about how much we hate that movie, and then it made it into our top ten when we really thought about it. Yeah, because of, of how we responded to it. I, when it comes to movies that we've ripped to shreds on this show, ones that we had fun ripping to shreds because it was just, it was, like you said, you hate, love it, definitely twice dead because it was just so, there was things that you absolutely hated that the film was doing, but you had fun hating it at the same time. I mean, especially death by death by dirt bike alone. Was oh yeah, death, just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just that death sequence by five alone. Mile an hour dirt bike. Yeah, I mean that that alone is. Just, <laughs> I could just see Danae right now going. How did this make your top ten? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to make sure that she's aware of <laughs> of this. So oh, she's gonna message us like, it. what, what, what are you talking about? This made your top ten. <laughs> Oh, God, I'm glad that we're on the same page. I'm glad that we're on the same page. But, yeah, I loathe the movie, but, dear God, it's one of those movies where I loathe it, but it it cracks my ass up, and I want to show it to people just to see how they react. I want to see if they have the same reaction that the four of us did when we did it for the crossover show. The fact that that I watched it twice and found more stuff to be mad about... (laughs) The second time tells me that it's definitely worth being in the top ten. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know. Okay, so cool. Great. I'm glad we're on the same page. Now we get into some rough territory Yeah, for me. Um, my number ten movie was Amityville 3D. Oh, wow. Because it's so... I, it did make the top ten. It, it made the top ten for... For one scene and one scene alone. I was going to say, was it because of Meg Ryan or? Well, Meg Ryan was fantastic, right? Like this scene had some capital P performances in it. Um, But it it really, for me, made that top 10 list. Do you remember the boat scene? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking back and I was really. About what. You know, in these movies, what made me laugh? What was special? First of all, Meg Ryan and Lori Loughlin were in this film. Yeah, um, that, those things are that, that's these. I think that might be the biggest name stars, acting stars in any of these films that we've done. <laughs> um, that's by the way, Meg Ryan was in When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, I just want to make sure that's clear to everyone that's the same Meg Ryan. Yeah. She, she um, was in Amityville 3D before she got When Harry Met Sally. So, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Golden, <laughs> Golden Globe winner Meg Ryan was in Amityville 3D. Do you, remember, do you remember the well in the basement they chose? The well to hell in the basement they just chose not to seal? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Let's just throw some cardboard on it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> this movie's great. Like, I think we've forgotten... How great this movie is. <laughs> All right, so that's mine. <laughs> 
So my number 10 is Primutos. What? <laughs> yes. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> yes. Um, the reason being <laughs> is for, one, the fact that it was so obvious that this horror film was shot on a... <laughs> <laughs> on a JVC camcorder um, and edited that way as well. Hey, so was my graduation from high school. <laughs> I have plenty of performances of me doing Grease in high school that were shot the same way. You want to see all those too, Roy? <laughs> well, not only that, but just how over the top... It got to the point where the gore was so pornographic, it was like Showgirls. Where you're just like, you're just like, seen it. I've seen it. But what really did it for me with this movie was the fact that here they are with all of these weapons and just destroying all of these undead people. And then all, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're like, fuck it. Sherman Tank. Yeah, right? Okay, I'm glad. <laughs> and then finally, this German tank comes fucking out of nowhere. And I'm just like, well, that's new. <laughs> you know? Damn it. And, and the fact that it ended the way it did where there was no survivors. And for the most asinine reasons that there was no survivors to this film. And, and, and then if that wasn't enough, it was the incredibly, hilariously bad dubbing that this movie yeah. had. I, times where you could tell that the female voice was being done by a male. I <laughs> So this, this is your twice dead. This is my twice dead, yes. All right. Even though, even though we both had twice yeah, dead in our top ten, I get where you're coming from. I, I understand it. But yes, pre pre mutos is definitely uh, my number my number ten there. What, what's your number eleven? Damn it! Um, this one hurts me to put out of the top ten. There are a couple that really bother me that I, I wasn't able to put in the top ten, and this one is Robot Jocks. Ah, yes. And and the reason is because it was just. It's a fun movie, right? Mm -hmm. It is, but it's just bland. It's just for me, it was just super bland, and it just didn't didn't do it for me. It didn't make me feel the way it did when I I didn't I didn't. There's you know there are movies on this list. There's one in particular that betrayed me, um, but this <laughs> wasn't that. This is pretty much what I remembered it being. Um, only it was much cooler when I was like fourteen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It wasn't nearly as cool at 42 as it was at 14. So, so this movie... Neither is sex. No, it's not. You're, you are correct, sir. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where, um, that's where I'm at. You know, I don't really have a lot to, to, to say about it because it's not a matter of liking or disliking the film. It was just a matter of it fell kind of dead in the center of everything. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite as wild as Amityville 3D, which, you know, was was great for a lot of really weird reasons. Like, this was just a straight ahead, like, bad sci-fi movie that I absolutely love bad sci-fi movies. So it lands dead in the center. Watch it if you want. Don't if you don't. I'm not going to care either way. My number 11 is Amityville 3D. 
Nice. Because um, mainly the um, the uh, Meg Ryan factor um, yeah. is what is what did it. But the thing is, is I because I, I actually remember going in the theater to see this in 3D when it first came out. And as a kid, it creeped me. But then again, you know, the Amityville, Amityville horror movies creeped me as a kid. Because I was led to believe that these were based on true incidents. And, of course, we've grown up and realized it's all bullshit. Uh, right. But, I mean, yeah, I, uh, it, it, not only the Meg, the Meg Ryan factor, but we watched this shortly after Lori Laughlin got, got in <laughs> trouble for everything that happened. So it was fun watching her just get browbeat in this movie like didn't she did. Out, like, didn't that all come down while we were preparing to do the episode for yes, this? Yes, yes, it all came out and we're like, oh, excellent, especially since she, spoiler alert, gets killed in the movie and goes to hell. Uh, you know, which made that hell, little... The basement under the basement in the house <laughs> yeah. where they just left a pit open for some reason. So, I mean, that that made me crack up right there. And then, of course, you got the big reveal of Satan himself when he comes out of the hot tub that is supposed to be the pit to hell. Uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the offset hot tub that was just there. Yes. Like, like, Cause you know, when right. I think, when I think of the pit of hell, I also think of, of a bubbling hot spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where Satan will emerge from. I mean, there were snow monkeys in there. <laughs> Morgan Freeman was narrating. <laughs> so yes, that was my choice for uh, number 11. What's your number 12? Gay deceivers. Was really, number twelve, number 12 was it was gay deceivers for you? Okay, it was a um, as a um, in big quotes, straight white male. Um, is you know, it was it was a it was a bit of a you know, it was a good culture shock for me. You know, from from the time period at which it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the twist at the end. Oh God, was, that twist was so ham fisted. How could I not? put it you know in the upper middle of my list <laughs> i may not know my flowers <laughs> but i know a bitch when i see one <laughs> only funny line in the movie i yeah yeah i'll agree with that it was you know there were some you know it was like we said i think we talked about the fact that you know it might be the progenitor to bosom buddies yes um which is great um, you know, it's bosom buddies with less structure, uh, which is hard to say, but <laughs> it was, um, it was a fun movie for me to watch. And I didn't realize until I was doing this list, how fun it was for me to watch, because I don't think I cared for it too much when we actually did the recording, mm-hmm. you know, but then looking at it and comparing it to the other movies that we did. I think it was, you know, it, it deserves to be, you know, in the in the upper middle of this list. I will say you enjoyed it a little more than I did. I'll just say that. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, my number twelve went to Robot Jocks. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, pretty much for the same reason that you said. I remember, you know, loving it like crazy when I was a kid, and I mean, it is still fun to watch today, but. It has not aged very well. But then again, tell me a Charles Band movie that has. 
Um, right. But still, I mean, yeah, it's fun looking at the really horrible, cheesy special effects, the stop motion effects that are going on in this film. But today, watching it in, in a more grown-up adult eyes, there is periods where you're just like, okay, just get on with it. Let's get to the carnage. And, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you're not really zoned in and paying attention to that stuff anyway. I still own it. I mean, it's still a fun movie for me to watch because those those scenes, when they do come on, it, 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 you know, it pays. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, compared to everything else that we watched on here, yeah, it's it's a middle ground movie for me now. So it's number twelve. Like I said, man, it's it's not it's not great, but it's also not by far not the worst thing. It's just a watchable sci-fi movie. Yeah, you know that's that's kind of where it sits. So number twelve, all right. Number thirteen hurts me to put it. Where it is, because I put Black Hole at number 13. Oh, you did it. You, you you put it higher than I did. <laughs> I, just, I, mean, I remember it so vividly being, uh, you know, scary and fantastic and wonderful as a child child, you know, as a young child. This is one of the two movies on this list that I feel betrays me. And the only reason it didn't get, you know, it didn't go lower was for the 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 acting skills of Ernest Borgnine <laughs> is what kept it as high as it is. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't have a lot of things to say about it. I just remember it being a lot better than it was. Um, the the faceless uh, drones that we find out are soil and green people. You know, all of those things. <laughs> just, I remember being. I remember it feeling a lot scarier than it was and just a lot like more <laughs> to what <laughs> just like sex just it's all just like this this whole list is just like sex for me this is my sex list it starts with kiss meets the phantom of the opera <laughs> it's all downhill from there producer chris <laughs> <laughs> um let's see here um my choice for number 13, I think it's going to surprise you. All right. Uh, my choice for number 13 is Myra Breckenridge. Really? Yes. Um, because it's a hot mess of a movie. It really it is. It really is. It is a hot mess of a movie. But the reason why I put it up there is not only because it's deliciously schnod and freudic to watch Rex Reed just do a terrible job at acting – when he himself is a caddy queen when it comes to reviewing. But you got to hand it to Raquel Welch <laughs> to do the shit she did in that film and walk away still with a career. I, I mean, I, that, could, that film honestly should have been a career killer for her. And it wasn't. She, she actually went on to have a very good career afterwards. And I'm amazed at that. Uh, not only her, but I'm surprised that Farrah Fawcett had a career after this movie. Uh, Mae West, on the other hand, is Mae West. She was in the twilight of her years in this film. <laughs> so Mae West was doing whatever Mae West wanted yeah. to do. Literally. You couldn't stop Mae West from doing what she was wanting to do in this movie. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was just... Um, it was just, it was not that good of a movie, but you have to... You, again, like I said, you've got to give credit to... Raquel Welch for being as brave as she was to do this film. I'm pretty sure she probably hired a new uh, talent agent after this film was done, but 
You got to give it to her. Yeah, you, you do. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, give it, you know, living her best life, really. Just, I'm Mae West. Oh, you don't think I'm going to sing? Oh, you don't think so? All right, well. You got to try all the fruit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And and plus also seeing her seduce a then unknown Tom Selleck is just, oh my God. I forgot that Tom Selleck was in there, too. (laughs) Oh, oh, that movie. <laughs> What's your choice for number 13? Uh, it is Myra Breckenridge, and for all the reasons <laughs> just listed. Um, yeah, and for me, it, it it was so bizarre. The black and white scenes with the doctor smoking, the Wizard of Oz <laughs> effects that they, that they delivered on. You know, it, it was a bizarre movie. The, the whole thing with... Um, the whole thing with the non-consensual pegging, I was a little rough. <laughs> uh, Which they literally did with her as a witch riding a broomstick. Yeah, <laughs> like like making Wizard of Oz into some weird, you know, non-consensual pegging movie at some point was like, mm, maybe not. Um, <laughs> Plus you gotta love Rex Reed going, my tits, where are my tits? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just, there was just there. There's a, just a lot happening there that pushed it down the list. You know, it, it by far wasn't the the worst movie on this list, but I probably will not revisit this movie <laughs> for all the same reasons we just discussed. <laughs> so, what, so, what was your fourteenth? My fourteenth one was the Gay Deceivers. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, the, so the, we're right there. All right. Yeah. Game Deceivers was number fourteen. I mean, it, the ending was like, oh my god, no, they didn't. When when that ending hit, uh, the, the plot twist ending. Uh, but I I was I was promised a wacky comedy, right? And instead got a tepid drama with one actual joke. True. Yes, I agree with that, 100%. And, I mean, there are some scenes where, you know, they were attempting to be funny, you know, with, like, the scene where he's cooking the omelet and stuff like that. But I was just like, eh, no, 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 no. But, I mean, the the, the peonies marigold scene, I mean, that that scene became a meme, to be honest with you. And that was the reason why I chose the film for us to do in the first place, because of the fact that it inspired this meme. But that's really the only scene in the movie that made me laugh. Do you think that's why it became a meme? It's because it's the only scene in the movie that that is that kind of memorable. I, I think not only that, but just the delivery of that line. Yeah, I mean, when, it's, when, it's, she, it's when she when she corrects him that the peonies are actually marigolds, and he goes, "I don't know my flowers, but I know a bitch when I see one." That's <laughs> <laughs> a great it's delivery. And I, I, it just—I mean—it's such a great delivery. I wish the film had more of that, though. I mean, there was like the hidden gem in a pile of bleh. And they I obviously mean, didn't test enough. No, and I, because I th- if they would have, that I, they would have done more of that. <laughs> I think if the film had more of that in there for the broad comedy, because honestly, with that situation that was going on and with the time period that it was in, it should have been a more broader comedy, not. To where it was offensively stereotypical, but still, they should have taken a chance and gone a little more broad with it. Because it would have made that what-the-fuck ending probably work a little better than it does already. Yeah, I agree with that. 
I'm with you on that. So that was your so that was your number fourteen. Yeah. What was that number? That was fourteen. That was fourteen. What's yours? Okay. Um. Well, mine was my. We're moving on to fifteen now. Oh, okay. That's right because yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So my fifteen is the is the film that hurt me the most in in all of the films that we that we watched. Oh, and not because of the not because of the quality of the film or any of that, but it, it hurt me the most because it is Maximum Overdrive, uh. and, and because Maximum Overdrive was supposed to be the movie that I remember watching, uh, you know, sitting on the couch with the family on holidays and the scene where the knife cuts, you know, comes to life and cuts the waitress's hand and. The, the 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 straight up like like just over the top um, yearly Smith acting the fact that everybody was super drunk in Italy while they were making this thing like like all of those all of those reasons this movie should have been higher on the list and it's just a bad movie I think what it is is because I mean a lot of I'll admit right now it's mine as well for number fifteen. Okay. Um, I think what it is, is is that because, first of all, when the film was released, it was directed by Stephen King. It was his first and only time he directed a movie. Um, but he um, then, um, you know, revealed later on that he was high on the cocaines. Super uh, high on the cocaines. And it showed, because at one point it seems like he forgot that he was making a horror film. Uh, while directing this movie, I think he forgot he was making a film yeah. while directing this movie at some point. Because because the first ten fifteen minutes, when all the shit is breaking loose, th- you know you're expecting the whole film to be that batshit crazy. But then when they get to the gas station and diner, the film just literally sinks like a Led Zeppelin. It really slows does. down so hard. Yeah, and at that point, the, the like the, sex. <laughs> just like sex the film the film loses all of its fun appeal at that point and I think I think what people really remember about this film when they're like yeah maximum overdrive is that first 10 15 minutes of the film because the rest of it you're just sitting there screaming do something right well when your lead actor is Emilio Estevez <laughs> drunk <laughs> Emilio Estevez it's all downhill from there baby <laughs> Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, and and you have Pat Hingle as the villain doing a redneck voice. Just be, might, a polar bear might as well have fell, fallen on him, <laughs> a la uh, Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. And see, and then the, the and I think also what was because it was promised to be this movie that was filled with carnage, and it had very little body count to it because right. nothing happened except for these. Semi trucks circling around the gas station, rodeo and style. To communicate, like what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, now going on to number sixteen. My choice for number sixteen is the black hole. Okay. Um, I remember loving this film as a kid and absolutely enjoying it. And it, it, Chris just kissed me and patted me on the head like they're there. Um, But um, the problem with Black Hole is is that um, the film really didn't age well. 
No, it no, it did really, not. It didn't really age well as all as, 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 and it makes me realize, oh, this is why it bombed. You know, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it was just it was so bad. I mean, the only the only, to me the only redeemable thing about the black hole is the robot effects. The ro- the, okay. the, the the robot effects are very impressive. Um, and those do stand up well over time with with making them look like that they are just seamlessly flying in the space and on the set. Those are the only special effects that have stood out at the time. All the rest of the special effects are just, you could say, oh, yeah, that's such a map painting. Oh, yeah, that's such a model. I, and, and the thing is that the Cygnus is a great design of a ship wasted in a terrible movie. And I mean, it, it does deserve some credit for being um, the uh, the prequel to um, Event Horizon. <laughs> yes, as Chris pointed out to us as being the uh, yeah, we definitely agree with his theory after watching the movie. But yeah, um, yeah, Black Hole really let. Well, like Titanic down. is a prequel to Ghost Ship. <laughs> it is. It is because the, you know the way they all died on Titanic was. A- a big metal cable snapped loose and cut everyone's head off somehow. <laughs> God, it's a good movie. Ghost Ship's a great movie. <laughs> What's number 16 for you? Um, here's one. Dr. Caligari. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Caligari got to number six. There are movies that we've watched that are worse than Dr. Caligari. <laughs> Let's make that clear. Um... <laughs> Somehow, in my mind, there are movies that are worse than Dr. Calicari. <laughs> I still, I, you know, it's that, we talked about it, it's wa- it is watchable. Like, to an you, extent. Like, well, like, you want to know, you watch it, you're let down at the end, but you will watch it till the end. Yeah. Like, just because you want to know what the hell is happening. What is going on? Why is there a giant tongue? Like, you know, like, what is, what is this movie? Like, why is it happening? And, um... Why is there choreography? Yeah! Why is it... Like I asked you, and I don't think we talked about the show, are they are, are they running the lines, like, in reverse? And then and then running the form? Like, there were parts of the movie that 100% felt that way. So, like, yeah, that's... It made it. That's why... That's why. So it, that is my number 16 movie. What about number 17 for you? <clears throat> Permutos. <laughs> so Permutos wound up in my top 10, but it wound up in your bottom 10. <laughs> it did. It did. It, not only did it end up in my bottom 10, it ended up in my bottom 5. <laughs> I did not care for this movie. <laughs> I still, to this day, I'm not sure I understand the movie. <laughs> I know at one point, um, the uncle got a gun, um, and I know there was a tank, and I also know there was a scene where he's just sitting on the couch, and, you know, after his nuts exploded, which we didn't talk about again. <laughs> And barbed wire wraps around his face, and a pipe out of nowhere goes through his head. Like those are all things that um, that have happened. And I'm just, 
you know, it might have gotten higher on the list, but I'm just not a fan of gore for gore's sake. And there was a lot of that in this film. But there was like, a Con- I, there was a Conan sword. There was oh, that's what it was. Oh, new Conan sword. Because <laughs> of those, it's because of those damn voiceovers that did make this movie where again I would say if you're a fan of gore watch it I won't be rewatching this film <laughs> so yeah that is that is where my number 17 is mine is Caligari really yeah Caligari yeah um Caligari wow I mean I was excited about this one because because it was our 20 it's the latest one we just reviewed and it was our 20th movie and it represented everything about this podcast. That it was something that apparently had been forgotten over time. It was a cult film. I'm trying to figure out how, but it was a cult film. It had become completely lost and and just forgotten about. And it felt like that you know I was discovering something that you know could be in the midst of needing to be resurrected and turn it into a cult film, um, much like what we wanted to do. Um, and turned out that we couldn't do with, uh, premutos. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just so hard to get through Caligari cause it was just too avant garde and too weird for me. And just, it and this is the man who likes Forbidden Zone. Yeah, I mean, I would rather watch. At least Forbidden Zone had a plot. That right. I mean, we didn't get to the plot for Caligari <clears throat> until the last twenty minutes of the film, and well, even the script th- arrived. Yeah, exactly. And the it's a thin, arrived. thin plot as very, it is. Very thin plot, and it was just so poorly acted. Chris, Chris made a comment that the actress playing Caligari, he was waiting for her to. Sh- go out a window saying Ego East. Um, like the Ego East girl. Um, but yeah, Caligari definitely falls at my number 17. I completely understand. I completely understand. Um, now we get into it. The final, the, the bottom three, the bottom three, which the we, worst, we all have the same bottom three. Yeah. The, the worst of the worst. <clears throat> we have the same bottom three. Which is good to know yeah. that I'm not so far removed, that I'm not so sick we after just, this experience. We just don't know exactly what order we have these same three in right. the bottom three. We know they're in our bottom three, though. These All three of these movies should burn somewhere. The, the, um, yeah, these are the movies that even with my very low standards of cult films are the most wretched of wretched. Right. The, these should be buried like E.T., <laughs> in the, the Almagordo Desert. Um, my first one. Your number 18. My number 18 in the bottom three. <laughs> Dot and the Kangaroo. It's mine also. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you said Dawkin. <laughs> sorry. I'm going to bed now. I love you just had that. That's right. He has been had that queued up for the longest time, waiting for us to mention Dot and the Kangaroo. He's a good producer, our producer Chris. He's a good one. Um, yes, yeah. that movie. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> okay, that's enough. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely number. No, that wasn't directed at Chris. That was directed at Dot and the Kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, number uh, number eighteen for me also. Dot and the Kangaroo. Yes. Why is it there for you? Um. Okay. I remember watching this when I was a kid, and I thought it was cute when I was a kid. And then I suddenly the movie just it, it, you know you know how when you've seen a movie as a kid and you enjoy it as a kid. And then when you grow up, suddenly some member berry gets knocked off the walls of your brain and back into focus. And you're like, oh, God, I haven't thought about that in years. And yeah. so, you know, and I go and look it up and I see, you know, not only just how big of a hit it was, but the, the, the film franchise it spanned throughout the course of two decades. And I was like, okay, we need to do Dot and the Kangaroo. And so sit down watching expecting, you know, to – have uh, fun with it like I did when I was a kid, and I wanted to punch a baby. I was so mad at this film um, because it the, the animation quality sucked. There, the whole launching pad to get to the plot, where she just is running through the woods and. You know she shouldn't be running in the in the woods by herself, especially in the fucking outback, right? Where everything's trying to kill you. Yeah. And apparently, the people that are supposed to care about you give up on you <laughs> in like oh, three well, minutes. Well, we can't find her. Goodbye. And, I looked out back. She was there. She's and, a kangaroo baby now. <laughs> and the fact that the kangaroo gives her the food of knowledge. Mm, the food of knowledge. <laughs> so she can understand the animals. And then we get like, we, 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 we then get like the worst songs ever written. Oh God, they're the worst songs in a kid's movie ever. And that's saying a lot. I've seen the Oogie Loves. I mean, these, this is the worst songs I've ever heard written for a kid's film, especially the song with the ducks that were for some fucking reason in a tree. Yeah. Yeah. The ducks in the tree singing the duck song. The duck song's horrible. The duck song isn't the kind of bad song that even gets stuck in your head. It's just you want it to die, and yeah. it goes on for ever. And, and then the film just goes off onto these weird little, like like the bunyip, which has nothing to do with the plot. And oh no! They, yeah, what is that? <laughs> then we go off on the legend of the bunyip, and I'm like, okay, what does this have to do with getting her back to her fucking parents? And and then you know we have the whole thing where. The kangaroo has lost her baby Joey. It's mentioned in the beginning. And then at the end, after Dot's had her adventure with the kangaroo, she goes to say goodbye to the kangaroo. And the kangaroo's like, nope, peace. Find my Joey. <laughs> You're my friend. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, so all of those reasons are the reason that I'm sitting that one at number 18 out of 20 movies. <laughs> Which means there's two worse. There the Dot and the Kangaroo. I would rather rewatch Dot and the Kangaroo than the other two movies on this list. <laughs> well, let me see if your number 19 matches my number 19. My number 19 is Riding the Bus with My Sister. So that's your number 19. That's my number 19. Was riding So are the last three, did we nail the last three together? I don't know. Is that your number 19? Yes. Oh my God! Yes, we have nailed the bottom we three. We nailed it. We are in synchronicity, people. I've got to say, I had a hard time really deciding between number nineteen and number twenty because you and me both—they both equally disgusted me for for yes. many reasons. However, the number twenty, 
out-edged for a reason we'll get into in a minute. But riding the bus with my sister, with Rosie O'Donnell and Andy McDowell. Oh, God. The, the made-for-TV Hallmark movie. And, and this was before Hallmark Channel existed. This was a movie of the week on, on television. Yeah, it was on national television. And they made a big thing about this because this was Rosie O'Donnell's serious acting debut. She wasn't doing comedy. She was doing a serious film. And this was Andy McDowell. You know, oh, God, she's an A-list person doing a television movie. And this is about, based on a true story about, you know, this sister who gives up everything to take care of her her sister, her other sister who has mental issues and blah, 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 blah. The whole film, well, you describe it, Andy. <laughs> Well, so here's the thing. We're led to believe that this was going to be a really ham-fisted depiction of mental illness, yeah. right? Um, of differently abled people. And in some ways, sure, it was, right? Like like they did not they did not handle it in the most adroit way. Mm-hmm. But the villain of this entire fucking movie was Andy McDowell as the selfish ass sister. Yeah. The movie that's supposed to be about the sister, right? The sister, the one that you know, goes on the hero's journey to get her job and to and to become a member of society and to show that even differently able people can can you know be a part of something greater than themselves and and you know because this came out in a time period and an unwoke time period yeah right so so maybe this would be a step even even a ham fisted step but a step towards a, a more woke society on national tv and they threw out all the stops no the movie becomes a movie about a sister trying to find love with this you know story crutch of rosie o'donnell having you know being differently able mm-hmm. you know oh so you know show i'm going to show this guy that i'm a good person because i'm taking care of my sister it's and the movie ends in the worst possible way. She just bails on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the movie. With, and it's with, awful, with and no, I hate it. With no lesson taught on other end as well. No. And I mean, I mean, and the thing is, is that I, I will admit that there are some parts with Rosie O'Donnell that kind of do lightly touch on the harsh things, like when we find out why she can't become a mom. I mean, right. that, that was fucked up. That was totally fucked up the behind why she couldn't become a mom. So I gotta admit that was like, uh, when 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 that hit. But the problem is is that that is immediately erased by the fact that Rosie O'Donnell was Pee-wee Herming all over the damn film in her depiction of somebody yeah. who is mentally handicapped. I mean it's like, I need to go to daddy and I gotta get a toilet seat, ah! you know, and that whole energy throughout the whole film. Again, you know, we talked about it when we did the the recap for the show. I don't blame Rosie O'Donnell because there were some really she did some really nuanced scenes. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the scene where you find out she can't have kids, the scene where you, you know, the the scene in in you know where where she's trying to tell them that, you know, to to get her um where she's with the social worker. Like there are some really nuanced scenes. I feel like it was the direction that was like, no, we need to amp this up to like 11. Yeah. That was the problem. I just, it was, it was a, it was a horrible depiction. Well, it's like, like we mentioned on the episode when we talked about it, this was the perfect example of Tropic Thunder. Don't go full retard on, uh, in, in, in a movie because that's, I mean, 
with lack of better terminology, that's exactly what happened with her. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't think it was a choice. I think it was a directing choice. I, I definitely yeah. agree. And Annie McDowell's performance in the movie, there was nothing likable about her character whatsoever. I mean, first of all, not only the way the character was written in the show, but Annie McDowell in this movie had the acting ability of foam. I mean, right. it's just, it was so unappealing. I mean, I mean, a wet paper bag is more appealing than her acting in this movie. It's like she's, it's like Andy McDowell was there, like, yeah, okay, yeah, give me the paycheck. And then, you know, went off to go and do, you know, <laughs> Groundhog Day or whatever the fuck. Way. Did. Yeah, it yeah. did feel that way. I know that she's a better actor than that. She was 100%. I think that was the part that was the most hurtful was she was phoning it in on subject matter that she 100% should not have been phoning it in on. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it was a hurtful movie. It's a hurtful movie, and that's why it's 19. Yeah, but believe it or not, there is one worse. Jesus. And Speaking I, of hurtful movies. Yeah, and I yeah, and I can't believe I can't believe we're on agreeance on our bottom three I can't believe how we matched so much on this list, but especially on our bottom three. But let's be honest. This film is the most wretched thing uh, we have watched in this entire show, and that is The Terror of Tiny Town. I mean, we felt disgusted so yeah. much to the point where I felt like I had to take a Silkwood shower after watching this movie. It took me multiple, it took multiple days to get through this film. Like it took it took multiple days of me trying to watch it to get through it because of the fact that you know they they took little people, put them on a set for 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 you know uh, I, I don't basically know what it was it. like on the set of High Noon basically is what it looked like but right it, it was one hundred percent built for exploitation yeah it was so exploitive oh my god it was and not even exploitive in a way that would be like you know it's not like black exploitation yeah it's not it's not exploitation in kind of like a you know rudy ray moore way where you can laugh with it and at it at the same time it was exploitation to the point where you really felt uncomfortable yes yeah i felt uncomfortable watching this and the sexualization and Uh, and and the the may west character alone uh the infantilization of these characters like it was it was uncomfortable. I was uncom- I'm rarely uncomfortable watching something. This movie made me 100 percent uncomfortable. And, and the fact that they didn't give them, you know, not only appropriate size sets, but appropriate size guns, and yet 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 they had them ride on Shetland ponies. You know, so that made no sense that you know that they would have them ride on the Shetland ponies, but everything else was large for them. Yeah, and I still I can't I, I I can't go I can't get away from the whole Mae West character because here you've got this this ma- madam in a saloon singing this song about how she wants to have sex with every guy in the saloon and you know being all why don't you come up and see me sometime but it's John Benet Ramsey on parade basically yeah because she sounds like a five year old girl singing this. And that was the point where I really felt the dirtiest watching yeah. this whole thing because I'm like, I shouldn't be watching this. This is filthy. <laughs> yeah, there's no – like like this feels like it's directed towards something that we should put somebody on a list if they're actually enjoying this film, you know? 
is, you know, very, you know, uh, very, very disgusting, basically. Let's just say that's the only word that we can say is disgusting. So this is something that if you were to watch, um, you might get yourself hung in a prison cell for testifying. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Epstein did kill himself. Um, <laughs> yes. So Epstein approved. Um, he basically. Wow. So yeah, that's where we are. I'm 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 actually kind of surprised that we aligned in the ways that we did. Yeah. Because we this, this list was really close. It was really close, and it just shows how long we've known each other and how we align yeah, our right. opinions with each other. But we can now finally put to rest. Those twenty films and move on with our lives. We're putting uh, them to bed and starting fresh with this. Yes, and I figured, especially after uh, Caligari. I mean, a lot of people were asking with the month of December if I would do a Christmas movie, and I almost did choose a, a bad Christmas film for us to watch. But after Caligari. I was like, oh God, no! We need a sorbet. We need something. To just wash away everything, because I think that with 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 the bookends that we had with uh, Liquid Sky and Caligari and everything sandwiched in between, that was quite a ride to get through. It was. You really put me through it. So you put me through the first twenty. Yeah. You you that was boot camp. Yes, that's what that was. So the movie that our twenty first movie that we're going to do. All right, I'm ready. Um, as I've told you, this won an Academy Award and a Golden Globe. It was nominated for a shit ton of Academy Awards. This was this has become known as a uh, one of those rare movies that got nominated for all the major awards except for Best Picture for some reason. Okay. Um, it's directed by Sidney Pollack. Okay. Uh, the film was released in 1969, so we're celebrating an anniversary for it this year. It's 50 years old. Um, and I think that this film has unfortunately gone forgotten, which is okay. which is why I have uh, picked this film. Um, and it's a stellar cast, an absolutely stellar cast. When I read the cast to you, you're going to be like, oh, my God. Uh, but the name of the film is Sidney Pollock's They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Okay, I have not seen this. Okay, uh, here's the cast. Are you ready? Yes. Jane Fonda. Okay. Michael, Michael Sarazen. Suzanne York. Um, Gig Young, who won an Oscar for and a Golden Globe for this movie. As this, it's wow. He's a son of a bitch in this movie, actually. Bonnie Bedelia and Red Buttons. That's a hell of a cast yeah uh, how did this movie end up on this show because it's become forgotten and, and and unrightfully so because it's a damn good film uh this film is set during the great depression okay. and the the and it kind of fits with december because i guess you can say it would kind of look it kind of feel like something that would happen on new year's eve cross new year's day but this is set during that time in the great depression when people were so desperate to get money that they would put themselves through the inhumane act of the dance marathons, where oh. people would just dance until they, in some cases, literally drop dead, and yes, the last okay. the last person standing would win the prize. In this case, one thousand five hundred dollars. 
And in this film, I mean, all the people that I've mentioned, except for except for Gig Young, um, they put themselves through just this torturous, torturous uh, dance a thon and everything. And Gig Young plays the master of ceremonies who not only is selecting the activities for them to do to just absolutely torture them, but he's belittling them and just mentally abusing them for the amusement of an audience who's watching this show as well. Uh, there's a reason he won the Golden Globe and the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for this film. I mean, he's the male equivalent of Nurse Ratchet in this film, where you just want to jump into the movie and pull out his endocrine system or something. <laughs> um, and this film is just such a damn good, well-acted film. And I want the film to be rediscovered. So that's why I chose this as our palate cleanser, basically. Okay, I'm in. Because, again, I haven't seen it. I vaguely know it exists. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, it, it's not something that I'm really aware of. So I'm super interested in, in seeing what, what shakes out with this. Mm -hmm. Other people that I have not listed that's also in this movie include Bruce Dern. Oh, geez. And, okay. and Al Lewis, as in Grandpa Munster. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, let's get it. So, yeah, this will be our. This will be the movie that we end the decade on, actually, is They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Um, and then who knows what movie number 22 will be. Yeah, so, who knows? Who knows? But. Could, could, be a, could be a kiss. It could be a, a tear of Tiny Town. You never know with us. You never know. But uh, again, to everybody who has discovered us through Spotify, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have not listened to the past episodes, go back and listen. Um, you can also find us on Facebook under Colts and Catacombs with Roy and Andrew. Or I think it's with Andrew and Roy. I can't remember how it's lined up. Um, and you can also find us on Twitter under These Films Exist. And we will be back in December with the critically underrated They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Talk to you all later.